everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you here with us today. Um, boy, I'm excited. This is a really um, thrilling for me. It's just, it's just a, how cool is this scene right here? Just a full room. Uh, it's nice to see, yeah. I love it. People in the balcony, God bless you. Thank you for being here. So um, we, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about we need a revelation over a resolution. That's it, really what we need. A revelation is just a revealing of truth. Uh, truth is what sustains. Resolutions don't re- usually sustain in that way. By now, by this time, statistically, uh, not many people are still doing their New Year's resolutions. It's just the way that it is. But, but when, you, when you and I have a revelation, when you and I get a revealing of truth, I'm telling you, that will last. That makes a difference. That makes a difference in your life personally, but it also makes a difference in the people in your lives around you. And so that's, that's what we've been doing. So we're, we're looking at different churches. We're looking at the, uh, there's uh, letters that were written, written by John, inspired uh, by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the word, very words, the person of Jesus, uh, to, to share with these uh, specific churches, which is, by the way, how, how amazing is that, that, that Jesus cares about uh, not just the global church, not this, the big C church, but Jesus cares about the little C church, the local church, uh, that Jesus is interested in, in our little church here in Walled Lake. Isn't that amazing that, that he's, he cares about us, he loves us? And, and the reason that's true is because he loves you personally and you uh, individually are part of, according to the Apostle Paul, right? You are in, individually are part of the whole body of Christ, which means you're needed, you're necessary, you're important. We can't do this without you. That's the, that's the reality of this. And so, so Jesus loves the local church. So he, he's, he's telling John, John, write these letters to these churches um, and because some of them just need encouragement. You know, some of them need correction, which is ultimately what all, all churches we all need. Uh, because again, churches is people. And people are imperfect. You know that about yourself. I, I hope you do. Uh, we're imperfect people. And so when people come together, uh, we don't always get it right. And so we need, some, we need some correction. And so, like I said, we've just been looking at the different churches. Um, today, we're going to look at a church. Uh, it was the, the smallest city. It was, it was really a very, very insignificant kind of a city. That was sort of the view of, of this city at this time. And, um, and, it, and it starts like this, Revelation 218. It says, and the angel of the church in Thyatira, right? And so here's Thyatira. This is a very, very small uh, city, but it was a wealthy, wealthy city. And, and there in Thyatira, they, they were um, experts in, um, it was a dying industry. I, I know it sounds, but it, like a dye, like they, they would, they would you, know, uh, you know, change the colors of things and, and specifically of purple. So you're not like D-I-E, uh, but D-Y-E. I don't know how to spell that. So you know the difference. You know the difference. And so they, that's what they were uh, experts in. But they also had different what they called guilds. 
Um, so they were these sort of these form, like unions, these labor unions. They were segmented labor unions. And they all had these different kinds of guilds, guilds that they were a part of, these segmented you know, unions that they were a part of. And a lot of them, you know, um, a lot of them were just it, within these guilds. There were, you know, different types. There was, uh, f- you know, fabric guilds. You know, there, like I said, there was, there was dye guilds. There was potter making guilds. There were tent making guilds. There was all sorts of different kinds of, you know, uh, expert, you know, tees kind of a things that we, they were a part of. Um, and it, what a guild is, is an, in a, it's an association of people for the pursuit of a common goal for the pursuit of the of a common goal and so it for in order for anyone to make an income they you had to be a part of you know sort of a special trade skilled kind of thing whether it be you know potter making or tent making or you know linen making um that you had to be in within one of these guilds you had to be sort of a a member you you had to be an associate and and you all were in pursuit of this of this common goal well what happened was is that in within the city very wealthy city within all these segmented guilds um they were um they were also in order for you to put food on the table in order for you to be able to provide for your family, there was oftentimes they were asked to compromise, especially Christians were asked to compromise. They were asked to do the things that you sort of see a lot within the compromising of, of you know, the New Testament or the early church. They were asked to either eat meat sacrificed by idols or, or be a part of a, a kind of cult religion where there was, you know, high sexual immorality taking place. Well, as a Jesus follower, that's not something that they wanted to associate themselves with. But when you're a part of a, a sort of a, an association of people with the pursuit of a common skill and a common goal, they were really, the, the pressure was on them to, to compromise their integrity, to compromise their integrity. So they and, and so in order to maintain an income, so try to try to imagine this in, in our world, in order to maintain an income, in order for to provide for your family, in order for you to put you know food and clothes uh, for your kids, Christians were pressured to forfeit their integrity and give in to idolatry and immorality. This is what they were pressured to do. And so for example, how, how this worked. We actually see a New Testament example of this. In Acts 16, uh, 14, there was a woman by the name of Lydia who was listening to the Apostle Paul preach. It says a woman named Lydia was listening to the to, to Apostle Paul, and she was a seller of purple fabrics. Remember, they were a dyeing industry. She was a seller of purple fabrics from the city of Thyatira and a worshiper of God. Then the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. So she was just a part of one of the guilds. And, her, and a part of the guild that she was in was a, a purple fabric guild, okay? And so she is, you know, here in Europe, one of Paul's first converts in Europe. And she's come from Thyatira to, to and, and she hears the gospel and she most likely goes back to her home city and begins sharing the gospel of Jesus. And so now a church is forming and building in within this, this community. And 
you're already a part of these guilds, and now these Christians are asked to begin to compromise their faith. But they're in this moral dilemma because they've got to put food on the table. Are you with me so far? Okay. So here's what it says also in, in um, verse 18 in Revelation 2. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and feet like burnished bronze, says this. So here's now Jesus, and he does this with every church. He introduces himself in a sort of a different fashion, a different way. Um, last week we, we looked at, you know, that he introduced himself as the one who has the double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. So within each church, he introduces himself in this way. So in, in this church, he says, listen, who am I? And this is actually the only time that Jesus references himself within all the churches, the seven churches, he represent, references himself as the son of of God. In other words, I am God Almighty. I am the one with ultimate, ultimate authority. In other words, I'm in charge over everything, over everything. And so why this is significant is, is this, because Thyatira also worshipped, they all, all these different cities worshipped specific kinds of gods. The God that Thyatira worshipped was the sun god of Apollo. The sun god of Apollo. And so here's Jesus saying, listen, I want you to understand. People that you're in your guilds are with you. People that you do life with. People that you're in this common goal, you know, in and purpose in. Listen, they worship the sun god, which is not a god at all, which is what Jesus would say. Not a god at all. But if you believe that you, 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 you can worship the sun god and get favor and, and, and blessing and purpose from the sun god of Apollos, like, have at it. But I just want you to know who I am. That he says, I am the one true only god. I am the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire. My eyes are, in other words, I'm more glory, my eyes are more glorious and, and, and illuminate greater than the sun. Like just my eyes alone, I, 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 my, they're like flames of fire, just like the sun is. And he's just, he says, listen, I'm better than any other God that you want to place in your life. Any idol that you want to put it, you know, in your life, any priorities you want to make in your life, Jesus is saying, I'm better than all. I am more beautiful, I am brighter, and I am on fire or whatever, you know? Like, that's just who I am. And it says, and his feet like burnished bronze says this. And so he's just identifying to these churches who he is. And what he's saying to them is important because it's what he's saying to us. And that's this. I see you. I see you. I see you. And other people maybe in your life, they don't really see you for who you really are. But Jesus is going, I do. I do. You may be able to fool people around you. You can fool your family. You can fool your friends. But listen, Jesus is saying, I truly see you. I see you. 
and I'm going to walk in. My feet are burnished like bronze. He says, I'm going to walk in, and I'm going I'm to trample on. What he's saying is this. I'm going to trample on anything that is impure or unholy, and I'm going to make it pure, and I'm going to make it holy. That's what I'm going to do. I want to walk into your world, and I want to turn your world upside down. I want it to go from impure to pure. I want it to go from unholy to holy. That's the work of God in our lives. And he sees you. He sees you for who you really are. He sees you. As a matter of fact, a few verses later, here's what he says. All the churches will know. All the churches. This, this one too. All the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. The Hebrew writer said it this way. He says, it is pointed unto every person once to die. Then comes judgment. Then comes judgment. In other words, he knows your deeds. He sees what you're doing. He's aware of what's going on in your life. Now, that can be a good thing, but it also can be a bad thing. We're in, all of us are going to give an account. All of us are going to give an account of our, of our deeds. Now, it's not based on our, it's not our deeds that makes us saved, right? It's not by works that we are saved, right? It's by the grace of God through faith that we are saved. But all of us are created in Christ Jesus, saved by grace through faith. But we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Are you with me? Jesus said, how, how, they, they, they asked Jesus, how will people know, uh, how will people know that we're followers of you? And Jesus said, the people will know you by your fruits. They'll know you by your works. And, J and James, the brother of Jesus would say, you know how I know that you have faith? I know that you have faith because you're doing works. You're doing works. It's evidence. It's not the way that you are saved. It's not what gets you into right standing with God, but it, it flows out of our faith. It flows out of our love for Jesus. And, and Jesus is going, listen, it's not because of your deeds that gets you into right standing, but you should have good deeds if you truly are in relationship with Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm searching minds and hearts, and I will give to each one according to your deeds. As a matter of fact, Paul said it this way in his second letter to the church in Corinth. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive compensation for his deeds done through the body in accordance with what he has done, whether good or bad. Whether good or bad. So a lot of people in this church in Thyatira, here's what their deeds were. Now, look at this. This is amazing. This is a great, a great church according to what Jesus is commending them for. Look what it says in, in Revelation 2.19. So he says, he says, I know your deeds. I know your deeds. I know some of the evidence of your faith in me. He says, I know your deeds. And here's what they were. In your love and faith and service and perseverance. These were their deeds. They loved God. 
with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They loved God more than anything else in this life. They loved God more than their jobs. They loved God more than their money. They loved God more than their, even their, their, their spouse. They loved God more than their kids. I mean, they just loved God. It was, it was a deed. They, they loved God in that way. And it says that they had faith, right? It says they had faith. In other words, that you can say that they were people that were faithful. They were faithful. They were just, they just wanted to honor God. They just wanted to do what was right. They, they knew what they, what they should do, and they, they wanted to make sure, even though things got hard for them, even though they were associated with people that didn't have the common goal or common purposes they did, but they just wanted to be faithful to God. And then they served. Like, they served, they they, they love people because, because they love God, they in turn loved each other. Like that's the, a sign of somebody who actually loves God is that in turn you love people and you love people in the same way that Jesus loved us unconditionally, unconditionally. Well, people have hurt me. People have wronged me. People have betrayed me. People have talked bad about me. Listen, Jesus said, I still love them and I'm expecting you to love them in the same way. It was they served people. They were on a team. They were a part of something that was much bigger than themselves. They, were, they, they joined together and they were, they were the church. They didn't just go to church. They were the church. They were the church. They served and they, and that wasn't easy, by the way. You think love, love, faith, serve, those are not easy. You know what it requires to love and to have and be and to be faithful and to serve? You know what it requires? Perseverance. It requires perseverance. You can stick it out. You gotta suck it up. You gotta endure it. You gotta like, I like look, look, I don't know about you, but um, sometimes I'm hard to love. I know it's hard for you to believe. Don't ask my wife. But I got news for you. You're hard to love sometimes. To be faithful all the time, I mean, that's hard. It takes endurance. It takes perseverance. But the only, not only that, but that your deeds of late are greater than at first. Like, they were, they, they, they were growing. They were growing in their love. They were growing in their faith. They were growing in their service. They were growing in their perseverance. Like it wasn't, they weren't just stagnant. It wasn't like what it was 20 years ago. Like if you're still doing the same things that you were doing 20 years ago, you're stagnant. I'm stagnant. We ought to be growing. We're, we're moving towards something much, much bigger than us. That The goal of your life, this is so important for you to know, the goal of your life. The goal of your life, more than anything else, is to be like Jesus. That's the goal. And even the apostle Paul said, I haven't even arrived. Now, I'm, I would just love to be somewhere in the vicinity of the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul felt like he wasn't even in any vicinity of Jesus. So you and I have a long ways 
to go, but we should be growing, that our deeds, deeds of late should be greater than a first, right? Right? So then, this is what he, how he describes this church in Thyatira, love, faith, service, perseverance, that's all good stuff, right? Right? But then he says this. Then he says this. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray. Is anybody in the room named Jezebel? That, that's... Oh my. You never ever want anyone to call you a Jezebel. That was beautiful. That I you can't even write this stuff in. You can't like I I was like, should I ask? I, because I'm really going to lambaste some, Jeze some Jezebel here. Like, and I'm like, I don't want to offend anybody if your name... You, listen, and that's the point. This is the point. Listen, this, this, this woman in this church, her name probably wasn't Jezebel. But Jesus called her a Jezebel because of an Old Testament woman who is a horrible person. If you ever read like 1 Kings, I think 19, you can read some examples of who Queen Jezebel, Jezebel is and it's horrifying the kind of person that she was. Sorry, Sophia. But I'm telling you, th th so her, her name probably wasn't. So, so Jesus was probably sparing her actual name, but he was just referring to her as somebody that was really leading God's people astray. And they were, they were, they had love, they had faith, they had service, they had perseverance, but they were tolerating some things. They were tolerating some things. Listen. The best kind of church is a church that is just like Jesus, right? Isn't that our goal? The best kind of church is a church that is full of grace and full of truth. But it can't be one or the other. It can't be. You can't be a church that is like full of truth and super judgmental, and people just feel bad about themselves, and people are pointing out things that are wrong about you, and, and you just feel kind of gross. Let's not be that church. But you also can't be a kind of a church that's all lovey-dovey and accept everything, and we love all things, and we, we'll just tolerate, you know, your sin and your bad decisions. Like, there's got to be that 
blending of the two. There's got to be 100% grace and 100% truth. Are you with me? And they, they were full of grace, but they tolerated some things that they shouldn't have. They tolerated some things. The, the word tolerate means this, to refrain from prohibiting something outside of one's practice or beliefs. To refrain from prohibiting something outside of one's practice or beliefs. I think there's some things that we've tolerated for too long. I think there's some things that we've tolerated for too long. And I want to spend the next few minutes and I just want to talk about some things that were very similar to who Jezebel was in the Old Testament. Why Jesus called this woman a Jezebel because she was leading God's people, bond servants, astray. And there's just some things that we can't tolerate as a body of Christ, corporately and individually. So there's some things that we've tolerated for too long. First one is this, concerns, concerns. Or in other words, fear and worry. Now, concerns are this. Concerns are futile attempts to control the uncontrollable, right? Concerns are futile attempts to control the uncontrollable. Oftentimes, the things that we worry about the most are things that are just simply out of our control. I think that we as a culture and us as a church and Jesus followers, bond servants, we let fear and worry control us too much. There's just some things in our lives that are just out of our control. And so we, we can't control the future, right? So why do we worry about it? We can't control our kids, so why do we worry about it? We can't always control our finances, so why do we worry about it? Why do we have these, these concerns? And, and Jesus would say this. I mean, if you read Matthew 6, and Jesus would say, listen, don't be worried about what you'll eat or what you'll wear or what you drink or what you, you know, don't be worried about those things. And then he would point to the birds. He's like, look at the birds. They don't work. They don't save. They don't, but, they, but I take care of them. And Jesus went as far to say, listen, I even know when one bird falls. I'm even aware of that. And then, he, and then he makes this important statement. Aren't you more important than them? Aren't you more important than the birds? And it concerns are just these futile attempts to control what is already uncontrollable. And I think worry, fear, concerns, we've tolerated this for too long. And really the issue is, the issue is about 
It's about control. It's about control. That's the issue. Another one that I think we've tolerated. Consumerism. Consumerism. I'm guilty of all of these, by the way. I worry. I have concerns. I lose sleep. And oftentimes it's the things I just can't control. And I forget. Oh, yeah. You you clothe the flowers of the field. You feed the birds in the air. You're going to also take care of me as well. But then we sort of get caught up in this, well, I got to have everything too. I got to have everything. Now, I have a two-car garage. I have a two-car garage. Like, I'm rich. I have so much wealth. I'm an American I have a two-car garage. I can barely fit one car in my two-car garage. Is this true about you too? I've got so much junk in my two-car garage that I can barely fit my one car. In the, in the, and that's only because so my wife can get into the garage and there's no snow on her van. And that's the only reason why I wouldn't pack it up even more, Right? We are consumers. We, we, we think we get sold on things in this world, culture, social media, like you need us, you need us, you earn this, you should have this. You should have. Like, and we, we've, we've collected so much. As a matter of fact, did you know that 3% of the world's populations of children, uh, uh, children's uh, toys live in the U.S.? Or, or, or excuse me, I'm sorry. 3% of the world's population of children live in the U.S., let me say that that way. 3% of the world's population of children live in the U.S. Look, then look at this. They own 40% of the world's toys. If you've ever been into my house, there's a lot of toys. 3% world's population of children live in the U.S. 40% are owned of the world. The toys. Isn't that crazy? The U.S. spends, let me give you another one. The U.S. spends $1.2 trillion annually on non-essential goods. In other words, things that you don't need, we spend $1.2 trillion annually on things that we just don't need. We live and we are tolerating consumerism to a, to a place where it's compromising our faith. It's compromising our faith. It's, we're, we're, we think we need to have more. We need more. We need more. We need more. And Jesus would like say, like, like Jesus even gave a, a story of, of a man who said, I have so much and, and, and I need to build a bigger barn. And, and Jesus called this person a fool. A fool. Like, you, you, where, do, where is this stuff going to go? Where, where do you think this is going to end up at the end of the day? Why, why, aren't you, why aren't you being more generous? Why aren't you giving more away? Why aren't, why aren't you thinking about where, where is there a need? Instead of thinking about what more can I accumulate? What more can I hoard? And Jesus is, is saying, listen, Jezebel was kind of like that. 
Jezebel was, she needed everything. She was consuming everything. She wanted all the kingdom of the world for herself. And she certainly wasn't thinking about generosity at all. At all. We live in a consumer culture. And we, as a church, are tolerating it way too much. Let me give you another one. Cynicism. 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 We, and I, I don't know if it's the pandemic. I don't know if it's the political landscape. I don't know it's, if it's the social, racial, unra- I don't know what it is. But man, are we becoming cynical. We are becoming cynical. We are tolerating being intolerable. We're tolerating being intolerable. Like super cynical people. Very divisive, very divided, very hurtful, unkind. We're just being cynical. We're being cynical. And it's infiltrating into the church. And you know what we are? We are, instead of being players, instead of being participants, you know what the church is becoming? The church is becoming referees. Instead of being a player, we're being a referee. And you know, what, you know what's happening within the church? Foul. I didn't like what the pre- preacher said that day. Right? Or we see something like, foul. I don't like how, they're, how they handled that Sunday school curriculum. Or we're like, boy, are they going to sing that song again in church for the fifth week in a row? I don't like that song. Did you see the wall colors? I, I, I have to sit in a chair. Foul. I don't know, I ran out of ideas, but you got one. I could keep going. Oh, I got one. Foul. I don't think they give at all. I have to do everything here. Nobody serves. I'm the only one. We're becoming very cynical. You know what a player, a player, a player's like, I don't have time to worry about that, this or that. Like, that's the referee's job. The referee's job is to make sure that there's no violation. But a player, like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just in the game. 
I'm just in the game. I'm just doing this. I'm just a part of this. I'm just, I'm just trying to do my, run my plays and make sure that I'm in the right spot and make sure that, that the team wins. And I don't, have, I don't have time to deal with the, the, the things that are annoying you. I don't have time to work through the things. There's too much at stake. There are people that need Jesus. There is a kingdom that needs to be built. We don't have time to be cynical. We only have time to be compassionate. We are tolerating too much cynicism. And we, are, we love the job of a referee. And Jesus says, I want you to be a player in the game called the church and building the kingdom of God. And we are tolerating being intolerable. Put your whistle away. Put your whistle away. And get on a team. And then you'll say, I'm not worried. I'm not going to concern myself with so much about the things that I don't like. I'm just going to concern myself with the things that I think can make an impact for the kingdom of God. Come on. Don't be a Jezebel. Never, ever want anybody to call you that. Right? Don't tolerate being cynical. We don't have time for that. There's too much work for the kingdom of God to be done for you to blow your whistle and say, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. What about them? What about me? What do I get? What's in it for me? What it, what it used to be? What it doesn't look like? What it looks like? What the purpose is? Like, stop it. Stop it. I'm just gonna carry around a whistle and whenever you start acting like a referee, I'm just gonna blow it in your face. You think I'm kidding? No. I am kidding. I am kidding. The last one is we're too comfortable. We're too comfortable. Nowhere in the scriptures was it ever comfortable to be a Jesus follower. At no point ever was comfort something that they, they, they desired or, they, or they, they set a, a goal for. It was never that. It was, they were always uncomfortable. Listen, just like control these days, comfort is an illusion. Have we not discovered that over the last couple years? Comfort is an illusion. So yesterday, what an awesome day yesterday. What an incredible day. Yesterday started by over at the community center, and, and many of you came out, like Pastor Jason said, 40 to 60 people came out, and we're just helping get it to a place. We're just moving towards getting it to a place where it can be a functioning 
tool, a functioning building for the use of outreach, for the use of connecting people in our community that we don't have any connection with yet. So the goal is to just get it to that place where we can start inviting people into that space and with the purpose of and the goal of so that we can introduce them to Jesus. If you think it's for any other reason other than that, put your whistle away. It's not. The goal is to get people to Jesus because that's where life is. And so yesterday, we're at, this, at the building, community center, and we're, we're just getting after it. We're going to work. We're, we're taking things out. We're, we're just trying again to just, just, just have this space so that we can figure out how to use it as a tool for the kingdom. So we're there, I'm there a few hours, and then I have to leave to go, to come here to do a funeral, to do a funeral. So I, I come here, and the parking lot is packed. I'm like, whoa, like this is, this is bigger than I thought. Like this was, this was a huge, huge funeral. And there was this one girl who has been a part of this ministry since she was in middle school. She's now in college age. She's been a part of this ministry since she was in middle school. And she put this whole service together for her grandmother who passed away. But they weren't even gonna have a service for her. But she's like, we have to have a service for her. And so she says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it all together. I'm gonna put, make, this, make this happen. And so she contacts me and some of our other staff. And she says, can I, can I use the building? And I said, yeah, of course you can use the building. The building is, is your, you're a part of this place. You, of course you can. So, and so I show up after the workday. I come in and it's just packed house, man. And I'm telling you, there were people everywhere. There were people in the building, downstairs, outside. I mean, it was, it was just a packed house. And, 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 and I realized, I realized this is exactly what she was going for. And I had the privilege, and I, and I gotta got tell you, sometimes, you see, being at the workday and being around all of you, that's totally comfortable for me. I'm completely comfortable being around you. You're like, you're my people, right? You're my people, we're our, we're, we, we, we have the same goal, same vision, same purpose, like you're my people. But then I came here and I just immediately was uncomfortable because I didn't know barely anybody here. I was completely uncomfortable. But then there's this room full of people. The room was, was more packed than it is right now. Room full of people. Completely uncomfortable. And I get to get up. And I get to share about this wonderful young lady's grandmother. And then... She said, I want you to do what you do to a room full of people who I would probably guess to say 85% of the people are unchurched. I get to share the good news of Jesus. Where Paul said, for me to live for Christ, to die is gain." 
in an uncomfortable situation of people that I don't know, not my people, but man, I'm telling you, listen, when comfort is more important, give me that slide, when comfort is more important than Jesus, churches become inner circles and clubs. The gospel, the gospel is not just for churchy people. The gospel is for all people. And let's be a church that sometimes we're just going to be uncomfortable. But being uncomfortable is giving us an opportunity to introduce Jesus to people so that we, we don't become a church of just inner circles and clubs. I love Francis Chan's quote about it. Christians are like manure. Spread them out and they will help everyone grow better. Keep them in one big pile and they stink horribly. Isn't that a great quote? Hey, there's, we've tolerated things. We've tolerated things. What we consume, our own concerns, right? We, we're, we've tolerated, we're cynical in our comfort. This is never meant to be that way. Never meant to be that way. Being a Jesus follower and reaching people for Jesus, it's gonna make you uncomfortable. We've tolerated, we, we wanna live in a Christian culture that is comfortable. And Jesus is calling you out of that. Stop tolerating your desire and my desire to stay comfortable. Let's get out of that. Let's get out of that. Father, uh, too many of us, myself included, we've, I've gotten caught up in the comfort of Christianity because of circumstances that I can't control, that I, that I, I get concerned about. I, I lose sleep over them. And I've tolerated that. And, and really, they, they, God, they, they've made me cynical. And, and, I, and I've lost compassion. I, I forgot that, that it, it's not about me. It's not about being a, being a consumer. It's, just, it's about being a contributor. God, I, just, I, I want to be a player in this. I want to be a player in this, in this time in life that you've given me. I, I don't want to be somebody that's just this refereeing all the time and blowing whistles and, at violations and fouls and things that we don't like. God, help us all just to participate, just to begin to participate in what you're doing. God, that's life. That's freedom. That's fulfillment. That's, that's what you've called us to do. And God, help us to continue to grow in that, to be a place that is just always loving, that God, a place that is serving, a God that is persevering, and a place that is just, just being faithful, faithful. That's what you've called us to do, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your, your grace and your kindness and your forgiveness and your patience on us. Help us to stop tolerating things 
in letting things in our life that is beginning to just erode us, making us bitter, making us cynical, and bringing us, bring us out of that comfort zone, God. Bring us out. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here. I love you, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. God bless you.